Frustration is nothing new to the human experience. But the means of that frustration has certainly changed over time. Uh, If you're an Apple user, you will recognize the symbol on the right. If you are a Microsoft user, you will recognize the symbol on the left. Uh, These are frustrating symbols to see. Sometimes they're just there for a few seconds, and the computer figures it out and moves on, and sometimes you'll sit there for minutes. Um, It's interesting, the one on the right, the apple, is called an SPOD. Did you know that? SPOD. It's called the spinning pizza of death. (laughs) Now, some have renamed it in words that I can't communicate from a platform here, but that's the nice uh, rendition of that acronym, uh, spinning pizza of death. Uh, And so, frustration. Now, what do we do when these things spin and they don't go away? Well, we go away, and we come back, and if they're still spinning, usually we reboot the computer. It's just the old standard, how do you do it? You just turn it off, turn it back on, chances are it'll all reconnect. But once in a while, Once in a while, they crash. Down they go. I've heard screams from the other room where Karen has done bunches of work, feeling like she's lost everything she's done. And and we've all sat there and watched the thing go down and think, I've just lost everything I've done. But we rebuke. I like the one on the left. You want to crash? I show you how to crash. And down with a hammer she comes. But when you get to grace, you don't reboot the computer. You don't alter your mind in order to move into a life lived purely by the grace of God. When you got saved, you don't take anything from the way that you think into Canaan land into the land of Jordan. Because it doesn't work in there. We live in a life of causation. You do this, this happens to you. You sow, you reap. You make something happen by something you do. You use your rationale, you use your thinking abilities. You manipulate. We, we think these things out. But when it comes to crossing over the Jordan, that's impossible. Because we enter in and face Jericho. Now, 40 years before our text this morning, in Joshua chapter 2, the Israelites tried to pass over Jordan with the, the old reboot of the mind. The reboot of the mind. So I want to take this crossing over, which actually happened, to the crossing over, which never happened 40 years before, with Moses. I'm going to suggest to you that the Israelites were not ready for for victory, for Canaan land. They were not ready for grace, because they were still thinking with the minds of slaves that had to make it work. I spent 18 years of my Christian life figuring out how to bring the blessings of God. Didn't know all that time they were all over top of me simply by the favor of God. I had to totally throw away the way that I thought. 
So I want us to compare these two because there's a reason Moses didn't go over and Joshua did. All right, now I want you to look at it. Look at chapter 2 of the book of Joshua in verse 1. We'll, we'll go back to numbers in just a moment. Chapter 2 of Joshua says that Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. Notice two spies. Notice just go look at the land. Now, I want you to think about that and go back to Numbers. Go back to Numbers chapter 13. Chapter 13 of the book of Numbers, just a few books back. Chapter 13. Let's look at Moses and how it's different. The story's different. It's different from A to Z. Chapter 13 of the book of Numbers begins like this. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying... The first difference I want you to see is there's a command by God to send 12 spies. But not so with Joshua. There's no command of the Lord. There's... He just does it. All on his own. With Moses, you have law. You have the commands to obey. But now 40 years later, you've got grace with Joshua simply doing something not out of command, but out of impulse. Because he's guided. Because we just spent chapter 1 in Joshua where the Lord tells Joshua, be of good courage, be strong, I am with you. As I was with Moses, I am with you. So the whole first chapter, he's building grace into Joshua's life, building the fact that I am going to be with you. We are going over and I will be your victor. In in that environment of grace versus Moses's, the commandment of the Lord, Joshua is now operating in grace and there's an impulse in him to do it. Now, if you live according to commandment, you will always disobey. But if you live according to his life in you, you will find yourself doing all kinds of things that aren't commanded, but are led of the Spirit of God. Do you see the difference between the two already? So, look at chapter 13 of Numbers. It goes on to say, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I am giving the people of Israel. And then it goes on, take one man out of every tribe. You got 12 tribes, you got 12 men. Notice uh, in verse 4, there's this list of names. I hate these Old Testament names. I hate when I'm made to pronounce them. I'm not made this morning because we're going to skip over them. You can read them at your pleasure. But they are names of these 12 men. In Joshua, you have no names of these men. Now, we know from Jewish writings who these guys probably were. But the scripture doesn't give us the names of the men. Because under law, everybody wants to know the names. You want your name written down. But under grace, nobody cares anymore what anyone's name is because it's God doing it, not man. So you have a list of the names of the 12 spies. Because under law, that's what we want. 
recognition. Under grace, who's who? It's God everything. So, let's go on. Notice verse 17. This is where the trouble begins. I'm going to blame the great Moses. If there's any Jewish folks in our presence, which I don't think there is, please forgive me, but Moses made an error at this point of his leadership. Notice verse 17. Moses spent them to spy out the land of Canaan, said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. So far, so good. The problem starts after the word and. I'm going to count them out for you. There are seven imperatives in this rubric that Moses gives the 12 men. He sends a a page with 12 things to check off. No, 12 men, six things. Notice verse 18. See what the land is? Number one, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. Number two, whether they are few or many. Verse three, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad. Number four, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds. Number five, whether the land is rich or poor. And number six, whether there are trees in it or not. I find it fascinating that there are six questions on Moses' rubric. Notice the rationale entered in now to something that's given by grace. Notice the questions. Is the land good or bad? Moses was told at the burning bush in the book of Exodus that he was going to take the people to a land of milk and honey. God says it's a good land. Moses, why do you have to ask that question? But now they're thinking. They're rationalizing. They're doing what every man does when he walks and watches, oh, I don't know, an NFL game. They're sizing themselves up against the men. And most of us fall far short of the power of those men on the gridiron. They're sizing themselves up. They're coming short. Remember when they got back? We look like grasshoppers compared to them. They're comparing themselves, and in that they are, they're rebooting their computer of their mind. See what they're doing? When you enter into grace, it's all of God and absolutely none of you. Go back to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. You know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Ten of the spies came back with a bad report. Two came back as good as the song kids sing. It's Joshua and Caleb. And they're the only two that made it back into the land 40 years later. So Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. And let's go on in the story and see some more comparisons. Joshua chapter 2. He simply says to the spies... Notice the difference. Go, view the land, especially... Oh, I'm sorry, we missed a word back up. Secretly. 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 He calls the two spies, and I think it's fascinating he uses two spies. Because they were the two that gave the good report. Remember, he likes the number two because him and Caleb pulled it off. So he says, fooey on the 12 and forget about the announcement. This is secret, and this is just two of them. 
He gives them no rubric to see. He just says, go look at the land. I want you to, I want you to check out Jericho. Off he sends the two spies. This is a great story, by the way. If you look at the, the map behind me, this is a possible route of the Jews as they come down to your right, crossing over. They go up to Gilgal, do some things there, we'll see, and then down to Jericho they go. Now, this is the story of the two men, verse 1. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. Now, there are some theologians that try to clean this up by saying that the Hebrew word for harlot or prostitute is the same word for an innkeeper or one that owns an inn. And they have their positions, but their positions break down in the New Testament when three or four times Rahab Rahab is described as a harlot. The Greek word for harlot in the New Testament is porne, which we would get the word porn from. So it's really hard to clean up the fact that Rahab was a harlot. She also was a businesswoman who owned an inn. Jews are very good about writing their history. Josephus, the great Jewish historian, suggests that Rahab was 10 years old when the Israelites passed over the Red Sea, which at this point would make her 50 years old. She ran a shop. She was a prostitute. I find it just so fascinating that the first house they come to in an inn was a house of ill repute. Isn't that beautiful? That the grace of God, who loves those Amorites down in Jericho, would reach out. By the way, I think that's why God initiated Joshua to send two spies, not to go look stuff over to go rescue the harlot. Notice this city was massive. This city had hundreds of thousands of people in it. But God was concerned about one woman who had a stained reputation. Isn't that beautiful? The love of God that he reaches you and I in our sin. It's sinful people that he comes for, is it not? One, I, I think, he, I think that the, the mission of the two spies was to rescue Rahab and the family, not to check out the land. Because God was able to look into Jericho and see one woman who believed in him. And he was able to send someone with the message of the gospel. No one goes to hell without the opportunity, if they are seeking in their heart, God will make it happen. Often we hear the question from the non-believing world, oh, what about the so-and-so in the jungles of so-and-so? You know, they die and there's no missionary. God is able to send somebody to share to those who want to believe. Here Rahab is in the city of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and God cares enough to send, and God cares about you like that. And loves you like that. And sought us out like that. And we were the prostitute. We were the harlot. Were we not? 
Notice, and they went and came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there, verse 2, and it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. So the word comes to the king. They all knew about the two million Jews on the other side of the river. You can't hide a crowd like that. Numbers begins the first chapter by telling us that the fighting men of Israel, the fighting men numbered 603,000. Now, if you've got 603, you've got over 600,000 fighting men, you've got a bunch of women and children along with them. This, this was probably well over 2 million Jews. Hard to keep the dust down, is it not? I often wonder... Why they didn't sneak by Jericho. You ever wonder, okay, Jericho's the big deal. Jericho's this huge city. You know, let's just be quiet. You ever try to keep two million people quiet? With kids, you know. You can't do it. So they got to deal with Jericho. And, 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 and they know they're over there. Verse 2, and he told the king of Jericho, there's guys there. Verse 3, then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who entered into your house. We know they came there, for they have come to search out the land. Do you understand the position Rahab is in? She didn't get a message from her neighbor that there's noise over there. Keep the noise. She got a message from the king. I know these spies are in your house. Do you understand in moments of history like this, the the side you choose determines whether you are a traitor or a patriot? In our own country, the men who signed the document, the declaration of our independence, do you know what they put on the line? They lost everything. They lost their lands. Many of them lost their lives. And if the war had been lost, we would be... an extension of England, and those men would have gone down in history as traitors. Traitors to the crown. But because we won the war, now we celebrate them as patriots. This woman Rahab, if Israel had not pulled it off and conquered the city, then she would have been a traitor to her people. She would have been killed. She'd have watched, probably watched her family be killed before she was. But she had an element within her that made all the difference and made the choice easy. She believed God. She believed in Jehovah. And because of her faith in God, there was no hesitation on her decision. She turned her back on her own people, her neighbors, her friends, and chose God. And it requires that sometimes of us. To turn our back on friends and family because we believe in God. And many of them in your friends and families have already had a funeral for you and cut you off. That's okay. Because the walls are going to come down and this civilization will crumble and this culture will disassemble and God will come and take over this world and we will be on his side. Amen? Amen? So now's the time to be on his side. To declare our declaration goes on to say, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Took them up on the roof, 
This is what she lied. You can't clean this up. She just flat told a bold-faced lie. She said, eh, it's... She said, well, where are we? There it is. And she said, true. The men came to me. But I, I didn't know where they came from. I didn't know that. Yes, you did. You wouldn't have hit them if you'd known where they came from. If you thought these were regular Joes when the king's men were coming, you'd have handed them over. But you knew. And she said, and when the gate was about to close at dark, the men went out. No, there's a piece of straw just landed on your hair from the men above you. Wouldn't that have been a great scene? I can see that written in, can't you? She's talking to him, and all of a sudden there's straw in her hair from the guys rustling around up there trying to be quiet. I do not know where the men went. And then she gives him a plan. Now, men can lie but women are really good at it. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it out there. A little support. A little support. (laughs) Now, men could do it too, but women are just good at it, man. They're just good at it. Not even a flinch. I'm sorry. I'll suffer for that. Let's see. (laughs) She's just good at it. She said, if you pursue them, you better go quick. Pursue them quickly. And you will overtake them. Take off, man. Look, if you stand there talking to me, you're not going to catch him. I think you need to go, man. Just, I want you to catch him as bad as you want to catch him. I mean, just straight eye, not a flinch, not a hesitation. She just pulled it off, didn't she? This, is, this woman is celebrated for lying. Huh? Do, do you know... History tells us that one of the two spies was named Salmon and that she married him. This, this, for you romantics out here, dig your teeth into that. One of the two spies was named Salmon and she ended up marrying him. And they ended up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. Look at it. Chapter 1. Do you know there's three or four women that are foreign women in that genealogy? Do you know they're all of ill repute? There's not a classy woman in it. There's a woman who got, there are women who got classy because of the grace of God, but they came out of a background of just, you know, Jerome, one of the early church theologians. Jerome wrote this about these, men, these women who made it in the genealogy. He said, in it, there is none of the holy women are included. In it, none of the holy women are included in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Only those whom the scriptures blame. In other words, they're wicked women. In order that he who came on the behalf of sinners, himself being born of sinners, might destroy the sins of all. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Let's go on and just read the end of the story. We'll draw some conclusions, okay? So, but she had brought them up to the roof and hid them, the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. 
and the gate was shut as soon as the, as the pursuers had gone out. You'll have to tune in next week to, to get the next part of the story. Same bat channel, same bat time. Number three, and we'll get out of here before the weather hits. Notice the spies were sent to rescue a sinner because God cares for all humanity. He can only rescue sinners, though. And he went for Rahab. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? You mark up your accomplishments in life and place yourself as righteous in comparison to other people. God doesn't see a bit of that. He just loves us even in the condition of our sin. So many years I climbed, tried to climb the ladder, tried to do the scale thing where I was praying, and, but then I'd you know, get mad at somebody, and then I'd go to church, and, and then I'd be ugly to Karen, and then I, you know, I, I would uh, give an extra offering, and then I would beat the kids too much, and, and I was just, you know, it, it scale, I just would scale myself, and I praise the Lord, none of that exists in the mind and heart of God for us. We are always a 10%. We are always 100% a number 10. We are more than 10%. Number two, Joshua moves by grace not command. See, the impulse of the Spirit of God now filling and flooding Joshua's life. Now, Moses was a man of grace. He certainly was. But Moses pictures for us the law's ability to give commands to go into the land. And we will not do it. Because we calculate God, we calculate things, and we look at sins in our lives that have been there since the dawn of time, and they are dominating us, and we can never get rid of that anger, never get rid of that bitterness, never get rid of that unforgiveness, never get rid of that jealousy, never get rid of that lust for things and power and people and stuff. We never give up the manipulating self, because we've always been that way. Jericho's so big, and the people are so big. And you notice Joshua's moving by grace. The grace of God in him is prompting him. Sends the two sp- if you ask Joshua at this point, why did you send the two spies? He'd probably look at you and say, I haven't got a clue. I don't know why I sent them in there. When just ask the spies on their way, what are you guys doing? Why are we just looking at the land? We're just looking at the land. Where are you going to stay? I don't know. Right over there. Let's, let, where do you want to stay? Let's stay right over there. Happened to walk into the inn where Rahab sat. God knew where they would end up like that. They did not know. Life lived on that basis, relying on the Spirit of God, relaxing, doing every day what you really want to do. I better not tell you that. You won't get up and go to work. (laughs) Number three. You notice out of the whole city of Jericho, the only one who was rescued with her family was a harlot was a sinner. This is why this group went in and the other group didn't go in. They did not see themselves as totally relying on Christ because there was still something in them that they knew they could, God was going to use them to conquer Jericho. I got to size myself up because there's something in me. There's nothing in us. And until you get to that place, you just can't pass over. He won't let you. You will take nothing of you into grace. Nothing. Because when you take something of you, how foreign is this? How, let's reboot the computer. 
Let's not throw it away. You know, the computer has crashed. You know that, don't you? It crashed thousands of years ago when we bit the apple. Throw it away. Rely only on him. 